Welcome, listeners, to www.ironradio.org, the website and podcast for all things strength sports and sports nutrition. With your hosts, Lonnie Lowry. Remember, Phil is like a gnarled old oak tree held together with scar tissue and bone spurs. Rob Fortney. And I'm telling you, the pain that I would suffer was beyond excruciating. And Phil Stevens. Do it, Rob. You'll kill all those nerves. Thanks for listening. Welcome, Iron Radio listeners. This is Lonnie Lowry. I'm an exercise physiology and nutrition professor of almost 20 years, and I'm a former competitive bodybuilder. And this is Phil Stevens. I run Strength Field. I'm a powerlifter. Every once in a while, I throw things and kind of compete in whatever I can. And I'm Daniel Tennyson. I'm a professional Highland Games athlete and owner of Valhalla Barbell. Sweet. Okay. Um, we only have a very little bit of mail and news here, and then um, Phil could take the reins, and we'll find out about Dan. Um, here's what I've got. First of all, there were uh, two people who had submitted like listener editorials, like audio clips. Um, I've just been up to my eyeballs with everything from patents to research to teaching. So next week, though, is my spring break, so I promise you guys I will review that stuff and Hopefully, we'll get it up on the site, right? So I want to be able to expand that a little bit and have some listeners send in some audio. It's just too easy to record with your phone these days. So um, there's some suggestions at the bottom of our listener editorial page for anybody who might want to jump in on that as well. But I will get those up, guys. I know it's been a couple of weeks, so I'm just letting you know. Um, Next up, our photo contest for bulking foods that is underway so on the facebook listeners page if you want to post a picture and a recipe uh then phil and i and mike will just sort of look at what's the most over the top calorie loaded goodness and uh you can win something and it'll be substantial and by substantial i mean probably not a five or ten dollar item <laughs> that's about the best i can do with that but so check out the bulking thing. The whole idea is you take a picture, you put up a recipe, but then you hashtag it, send it around on Instagram or or um, Twitter, and then you're entered in the contest. So I hope to see some good photos there. I put up one or two just as examples. So, And then on the news, um, well, listener really contacts, Somebody contacted Rob and just said, Hi, Rob. I manage host relationships for a new podcast community site. Uh, We're a big fan of Iron Radio. Next week, we're publishing our list of the best bodybuilding podcasts, and we've ranked you near the top. So that's nice. Um, They want us to, I think, be interviewed. So, Phil, behind the scenes, I'll let you know, see if you want to. You know, participate, Sounds good. participate in that, but that's about it for news. As far as you know, we, we get a lot of these people that so many podcasts they have managers, like social media managers, networking managers, and we do all that ourselves. So <laughs> I kind of laugh when I see that. I'm like, well, that's you know probably more sophisticated than we do it, but we'll we'll try to get back to them. So anyway, that's about it. A little bit of Iron Radio related news. I didn't really have any science stuff today. Well, we can't go through the news without mentioning that Russia got busted for doping and curling. (laughs) Really? Yes. I didn't know. Oh, God. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, one of their athletes got failed his A sample and then, again, failed his B sample. So. uh, Oh, my God. (laughs) Yeah. So, it just kind of shows you how rampant doping is if it's in curling as well. Right. No sport is safe. (laughs) Yeah. 
<laughs> but oh, yeah. I just had to mention that real quick. But Dan, good to have you on. For anybody that doesn't know, um, like Dan said, he's a professional Highland Games athlete. Last year was your first year pro, right? Yes, sir. That's right. And owns uh, Valhalla Barbell. So everybody's probably seen that. You guys had a nice spot on Elite Fitness talking about the club. Right. Uh, so, I mean, we'll do kind of like we do with everybody. How did you get started in <clears throat> athletics in general? You know, I was a, I was an athlete growing up my whole life. <clears throat> did everything and then uh, went, went to college and threw shot put and discus. Um, got away from it as an adult for a few years and kind of did the, the dumbass 20-something thing, the bar scene. Uh, and, and then got back into lifting afterwards. And, and when I started powerlifting, you know, everything kind of happened from that. I, we opened the club and then I started throwing again. And, and here we are, you know. I mean, so what led you, what led you to Highland Games then? Man, it was just on a whim, to be quite honest with you. I had a buddy that wanted to go do it. And I, I had never even really seen it. You know, I had seen it peripherally, you know, as, as the French sport it is. Uh, and we hopped in one and did it, <clears throat> and I kind of, I kind of took to it like a duck to water. You know, it was, it was, reminded me of just throwing in college. Um, yeah. So then I, I invested a little more time in it in 2016, and and did the circuit as an amateur, and 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 again as 2017, my first year as a pro. But it, it was just fun, man. I, it, it was something different than just lifting weights, and I really, really enjoyed it. And I, and I'm built to do things. A little bit more dynamically than, than statically, you know what I mean. I wasn't a very successful powerlifter, so it, it just fit me. Yeah, I mean, for people that don't know, Dan's not exactly a—he's not built like Ed Cone. <laughs> yeah, right, right. <laughs> um, you know, tall and long. Uh, anyways, but I mean, I think one of the things that you mentioned there is pretty interesting. Is your first season was 2016? just getting into the sport mm -hmm. and you were pro by 2017 that's right. that right alone pisses a lot of people <laughs> off yeah you're right <laughs> <laughs> it, it uh I, you know i i heard uh, matt doing an interview the other day and he had a pretty similar journey you know he, he turned pro pretty quickly and it was uh there's there's something about being a thrower in college and treating the highland games as, as a collegiate thrower uh yeah. That, that it, you kind of have cheat codes, you know, you, you kind of understand what you're supposed to be doing and it really accelerates the, the learning curve for us. For sure. I mean, what's the biggest difference then, would you say, um, Highland Games versus uh, you know, collegiate throwing, shot yep. and, and discus? Yeah, man, there's just so many freaking events in the Highland Games. <clears throat> you know, you have to be proficient at nine things to be a professional Highland Game thrower. Whereas in, in college, you have a lot of guys that specialize in one or two events. Um, that's that's the biggest difference to me is just, just being a jack-of-all-trades type thrower in the Highland Games. How big – How big? we talked about this a little bit before with other guests, but how big of a proponent to going uh, pro is just um, your personality and field presence and things like that? Oh, dude, it's huge, man. Um I would say a lot of where a lot of people that come from a track and field background in particular get it wrong is that when you're a high level track and field athlete, you just get invited everywhere, man, because you, yeah. you have the minimum standard marks to get in. <clears throat> so you're in, <clears throat> excuse me. When, uh, when you're a Highland games athlete, you know, they only have, 
you know, eight to 10 spots usually for us. And most of us, our marks are pretty similar. You know what I mean? There's not, there's not, you have a couple of guys that are freak shows, but most of us are pretty similar in the way we throw. So your field presence and, and the way you interact with the crowd and like, do people want to watch you? You know, if, if I drop a bomb or, or turn a big caber, I'm going to take my kilt off and go stand in front of the crowd and, and, and give them a salute, you know, whereas if somebody does that and they just walk back to the corner, the, the ADs don't want to see that. They, they want you to be involved and they want the crowd to be, be happy that you're there. So yeah. it's big. Yeah. You seem, uh, I think one of the things you've done well too, is right off the bat, you, uh, you fit in and became friends with a lot of the current, well, the current, when you came in a year ago, Highland right. games pros me. And I think that's a huge part of it too. I mean, you just, you were one of the guys <laughs> right off the bat. Yeah, yeah, man, you got it. You, you have to, you have to immerse yourself in the things that the guys that are already there are doing. If, you know, if that makes any sense, like if, if they're going to the bar after the games to have a beer and eat a hamburger, go with them. Uh, even if you don't know them, you know, it might be awkward the first couple of times, but yeah, you fit in. And, and most of the guys that throw in the Highland games are kick-ass dudes, man. I mean, they're, they're really in a turd in the bunch uh, as far as the, the crop of dudes we got right now. So I, you, you, yeah, you hit the nail on the head there, man. Let's talk about just in case we have listeners that, don't even know because we should have probably covered this in the first place. Uh, you said there's a lot of events, but name off the events and kind of where are your throws at compared to everybody else in, in these events, your best and, and worst. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> we have the stones. We have the Bramer stone, which is just like a, a standing throw at the front of the, at the front of the trig. There's no movement. So you just grab the stone and throw it. Um, I, I, I'm, the stones are my best events. Um, they're, they're doing a uh, Highland Games thing now where they're ranking people, and, and I was one of the top three in the world in, in both the stones. Um, I think my best in the Bramer Stone is right at 45 feet, and I think the world record is like 47 feet. Um, in the Open Stone, which is where you can where you can approach, uh, my best is 60 foot six, and I'm pretty consistently at you know 57 to 58 feet. Uh, and I'm a glider too, which um, if if anybody knows anything about that, there's not too many of us out there right now. Everybody wants to spin. Yeah. Um, and then we move to the to the weights. We have the 56 pound weight for distance and the 28 pound weight for distance. Um, and and I'm still learning those. That this is where my inexperience in the Highland Games comes through is in the weights and the hammers. Uh, but my my best in the heavyweights 4610. My best in the lightweights like right around 85 feet. Uh, and then the Scottish Hammers, uh, I've got a best of 112 in the heavy and 146 in the light. And then the Caber, um, which, which is probably, has probably become my best event. Um, and, and what I've been known for in the community now as an up-and-comer that's, that's, uh, can turn some pretty big cabers. Um, and that's the telephone pole toss is what people call it. That, that's the easiest way to describe it. You know, we toss the tree. Uh, and then the sheaf, which is the, the simulated hay bale on the, on the fork that we toss for height. My best is 34 feet. Um, and again, that's, that's another one of my pretty good events. And then the 56 pound weight for height, um, is, is, uh, or the wob is 56 pounds. We throw over the bar for height and my best is 18 feet. Um, so, so I really struggle at, at the very top 
competition in the weights and the hammers. They, they've cost me quite a few games, to, if I'm quite honest with you, um, when I'm going against the best in the world. So so that's what I'm working on this offseason and, and, and this, this next block of training is to bring those events up. Yeah, you kind of made a name for yourself. You're one of the only people to flip a certain caber, correct? That's right. The the Chris and Caber at uh, at Pleasanton is uh, it's 21 and some change and like 140 pounds. It's a big stinky bastard. Um, and and in Pleasanton, for for those of you that don't know, we throw on like a horse track. Um, it's slanted. It's banked and slanted down, and it's just dirt. Um, and it was like 195 degrees out there when we were doing it, so it, it was pretty challenging. That that's probably the one I'm most proud of is, is the Pleasanton Crispin Caber for sure. Now I heard there's a there's a couple guys in the Highland Games that we know, and they're doing a show, and they like they do like the best hammers right now. And I don't know, somebody was telling me they won't even mention your name as far as any <laughs> of the best events. <laughs> <laughs> they like, skip past you. From what right. I hear, <laughs> <Bunch of> jerks. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think now, now that they're doing it live on YouTube, I just comment the whole time until they say my name, and then I then I sign off and watch it. <laughs> <sighs> that's that's Spencer and Beach, right? Is that? Yeah, that's, that's right. They they do a really great job with that too, and I, I'm I'm glad they're doing that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, I just figured I had to mention that. But yeah. yeah. Uh, let's move on because I think we'll take the, the the break right now, and then we're going to come back and we're going to talk about uh, well in season training versus off season training, and maybe what you're trained, what you're changing this year compared to last year in your in season training. Sure, sure. <laughs> Hey listeners, this is Dr. Lonnie Lowry. If you've ever had anyone critique you uh, on your protein intake as part of your weightlifting lifestyle, oh you poor meathead, all that extra protein is going to rot your kidneys or weaken your bones or dehydrate you or give you gout or who knows what, uh, there is a book available. You can simply Google CRC Press and Lowry and what I've done is reach out to experts all over the world and create a book, a single compendium that you can hold up and say, this is why I consume extra protein. This can be very valuable when you're um, being quote unquote educated uh, by various professionals on the topic. Uh, there's enormous amount of literature in this book on the safety, uh, the effectiveness, how protein works in cells, the history of protein and weight trainers, uh, much more. So again, please check out CRC Press and Protein and Lowry. You can just Google that, and uh, I do, full disclosure, I do make a small single-digit royalty on the book, but that's not why I did it. I did it so we can all have something, uh, our particular population, uh, to both defend what we do and to inform our nutrition and our eating. Thanks. Iron Radio is, of course, primarily a podcast. But over the years, there have been technical glitches calling for backup streaming and listeners who wanted the convenience of other sources of audio content. Toward this end, Iron Radio is now simulcast and backed up on YouTube. If needed, please search Lawnman07 or Iron Radio from within YouTube. There's not much video, but if you like to listen through YouTube on a Roku or other living room device, there you go. (laughs) 
like your weekly fix of Iron Radio? In addition to being a popular institute on iTunes, we are also on email. Simply go to www.ironradio.org and sign up for the voluntary email. You'll get a once per week email, no more, that's little more than the show notes and a link to the audio. So go for it. Okay, everybody, we're back. Um, we got Dan Tennyson. He's Highland Games Pro. Kind of a well, he came out and, and kind of shook the world and became a pretty good a phenom in the sport after one year. So everybody kind of knows who he is, and we decided to have him on. But uh, I know me and Dan had talked about in season versus off season training, and then what he was doing last year in season versus what he's doing this year. So I just want to let's. I mean, most of our people that listen to the show. Uh, they understand in the gym training more than they will your field training. Right. Well, I want to talk about, you know, how that differs um, in season versus off season, what you're changing this year uh, in season as far as what you're going to do in the gym. So let's talk about just uh, the first off season. I mean, what is your guys's, what does most of your training consist of? You know, the vast majority of my goals this off season revolved around, uh, moving a little better and um, and turning the switch on and off on demand. So so we did a lot of Olympic training. Um, and, and I train under uh, Dow Gaines now, which, uh, you know, Phil knows really well. Um, and, and, and and Phil, you know, you and I and you, you and I and Dow have talked a lot about training. So I, I wanted to get that out there that, that Dow and I talk a lot about it. Um, but the best way that, that I thought to do that was to really – uh, do the Olympic lifts and in particular the snatch and snatch variations because you go from a position of every every system's off to you're turning it on in the blink of an eye and, and you're and you're going balls to the wall. Um, so we focused on that quite a bit, <clears throat> try to get stronger in those movements, a little more efficient in those movements, and and then now towards the end we've kind of uh, gone to a more like uh, what I would call powerlifting mode uh, we've switched it to trying to get stronger in the squat deadlift and, and incline bench and then uh, when the season starts we'll, we'll get away from that too but but basically what I wanted to do was just move a little better and get a little better at turning the turning the switch on and off because it's it's that's how you throw you know you go from zero momentum to balls to the wall in, in half a second so so that's what I focused on this offseason getting better at that well no we talked last year I talked a couple of weeks ago about your your throwing last year, and you said come to the end of the season, you know, you came in strong and numbers are going great, and then by the end of the season, you lost a bunch of strength. And uh, yes, you know, even your throws just you just lost the pop. So I mean, what what's your in season training going to do different this year compared to last year? Then yeah, we're going to keep. Uh, to be honest with you, man, um, it was really hard for me to juggle both of them last year. Um, you know, as you alluded to, and, and as you and I talked about you know, one-on-one. Um, I was so far behind in a couple of events because I moved up so quickly um, that I had to focus all my energy on getting better specifically at those events. And it kind of backfired on me. Um, again, as you said, I, I got worse um, for a little chunk of the season there. Um, so so this year I'm going to change that up and I'm, I'm going to continue to be in the gym and I'm just going to keep my body moving and, and do a little maintenance. I, I really think I got my body and my CNS and, and, and my brain just kind of got 
lazy, if I'm honest with you, and worn down um, because I wasn't doing anything in the gym. So, so this year I'm going to dedicate two days a week to getting in there and at least moving and doing something maintenance wise or, or, you know, explosive wise, uh, to keep that going. So that's what we've changed this year. Yeah. I know I'm I'm dealing with a lot of, Oh, sport athletes, if you will, is what I call them. Right. Like games and stuff. And I said, getting paid to go and deal with teams. And like one of the biggest things I've preached to them is just, and I know Windler's talked about this when he was playing football. Uh, it's just trying to save strength in season. Like you don't have to do a ton, but anything you can do to just preserve what you have, you know, still lifting heavy when you feel like you can, um, things like that, trying to preserve that 80% even. Uh, right. 100%. It's probably good. Yeah. I mean, and like well, a lot of what I've seen is like, I just dealt with a wrestling team and it's like, well, in season we go and we just do tons of reps. Um, and it's trying to make them realize it's like, well, man, yeah, but then you're doing tons of reps on the mat and you're doing tons of reps here. Yeah. What's that do? These guys stay strong instead of minimizing their training, you know, doing lower volume training, not beating them up. And I, I, I think in my mind, that seems like it would translate well to Highland Games because, I mean, you're in season. Potentially, you need to spend most of your time throwing. Right. And then 10 percent of your time just staying strong and not hurt. So, uh, and I think um, <clears throat> that really comes through, um, again, Dal doing our programming. And you guys, you know, y- y'all talk every day. And and a lot of that comes through in, in Dal's ideas for my season, too. Like, he, he basically has told me that verbatim. You know, he's like, you kicked yourself in the dick last year by getting out of the gym and not doing anything. Wh- where you need to come in and do, man, just load the bar up heavy and do five freaking reps of, of snatch high pulls or something, you know maintain a little bit and get your body moving and used to moving explosively and you'll be better. So, so I, I would agree a hundred percent with that, with that notion that you just said, Phil. Well, I think, I think that's the, where people get it wrong is they think it doesn't take that much to maintain. Right. <laughs> you know, it takes that 10%, like you just said, I mean, come in hit five reps, whatever's there that day. Right. Um, but, uh, so people understand this, how many events, what do, you, what do you have protected for this season? Like, what does this season look like? Yeah. Um, so, so you, we'll start at the Arnold um, next weekend, which is kind of an outlier. It's to be honest with you, in, in my opinion, the Arnold is like a reward for for what we did last year. So they take the top five American throwers. We throw at the Arnold. The money's all the same to us. Um, they pay our travel and boarding. So it's like a reward for, for what we did last year. So it's an exhibition. And I don't think any of us are particularly training to peak for this meet. If that, you know what I mean? We're just, we're going to go, we're going to throw, we're going to, it's going to look early season. We're going to be rusty. Um, and then I'll have the pro-am in Omaha in April. So, so I, I generally have one or two games a month for about seven or eight months. So, so this this year to me, it's looking like fourteen to fifteen games, um, with the World Championships being really early in May, which has really thrown a a wrench in the plans. You know, I have to peak in what fourteen weeks, thirteen weeks. I have to be peaked for the season, and it, and there's still snow and ice on the ground here. So, we're, we're you know, Dal and I are kind of scratching our heads at what the hell we're supposed to be doing right now because I can't throw. So. So that, that's the season. It, it, it's about 15 or 16 games what I'm planning on total. So, I mean, yeah, compared to 
you know, powerlifting or something like that, uh, quite a bit more intensive. I mean, nobody's going to pull off 14 or 15 meets a year. So you're talking, I mean, roughly, you're going to compete every other weekend for six months. That, you're month. that, that's the way I figure. Yeah. So, um, no, I mean, I think that gives everybody kind of an understanding. What? Let's talk about the uh, uh, Arnold Highland Games. What goes on there? Because it's a little bit of a different game. It's indoors, correct? Yeah, yeah. It's they 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 moved it indoors last year, um, and we do five events. We do a, a heavy open stone, a heavyweight for distance, a caber with a sixteen foot approach. Which, for those of you that don't know, most of us run probably twenty to thirty yards on big heavy sticks before we throw. You know, there's there's a there's a pick, a start, uh, an accelerative phase where you accelerate, and then and then a launch where you where you actually launch the caber. So they cut that down to sixteen feet, which makes it super tricky. Um, and then we throw a really heavy sheaf. We throw a twenty eight pound sheaf there instead of a twenty pounder, and then we throw the weight weight over the bar. So we're done in like. I really think it's like three, three and a half hours. Like we throw from nine to noon. Um, so, so that really makes a difference. Usually we compete over two days, you know, for, for seven or eight hours a day. So this one's really, really truncated schedule. We just get in there do it, um, interact with the crowd and, and, and get the hell out of there. So it, it's going to be a really fun time. So the Chiefs heavier at the Arnold. Yeah, it's eight pounds heavier, man. It's a uh, it, to be honest with you, I've, I've lost sleep over throwing a twenty-eight pound sheath <laughs> because I don't know what the hell it's going to feel like. I, I know yeah. that twenty pounds is heavy as shit when you throw it yeah. uh, on the end of a rake. So it, I guess we'll I'll show up and we'll see how it goes. Wasn't the, was it the same last year? Didn't Spencer like throw it to Raptors? Yeah, yeah, it was twenty-five pounds last year, yeah. and because that dickhead threw it over the Raptors. <laughs> well, now we have to move heavier. So if he does something stupid this year, they'll probably make us throw a forty pounder. Right. In the gotcha. future. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Um. So basically, lots of explosive stuff in season. Lots of uh, you know, just maintaining things during season. I mean, and uh, lots of explosive stuff off season. Where does strength? Where does just pure strength come into Highland Games? As compared to, uh, you know, throwing. I mean, Highland Games it's a lot heavier. I mean, right. what, what would you say? I mean, I don't know. What are the average strength levels of the guy pro? I mean, where where would people need to be? Uh, I, I would say that the average, just from the guys that I speak with, and just from the guys that you know, I see their training videos. Uh, the vast majority squat over six hundred, deadlift over six hundred, and bench over four hundred. Um, relating it to the power lifts. As far as the Olympic lifts go, um, I mean, there, there's there's quite a few guys that snatch over 300 pounds. You know what I mean? There's there's quite a few guys. Um, and and, and in, the, in the clean, you, you see 400-pound cleans pretty commonly as well um, from, from the top guys. So it's uh, – strength plays a really big part in it. Being a big, strong dude really helps you when you're throwing heavy shit. Yeah. Um, so, so that's what I'm seeing mostly. Hey, Dan, if I can ask you, when you say big and strong, I'm sort of a numbers guy. So, uh, like, what's what's a pro level height and weight, or you know, what's your height and weight, just so people can get an idea in comparing those numbers you just mentioned. Yeah, uh, I'm six five, uh, three hundred, and I am never the biggest guy on the field. I'm never even close to the biggest guy on the field. Mm. Um, I, I would say the vast majority of us weigh over 300 pounds. 
uh, some of us by a large margin, um, and, and, and the vast majority are, you know, 6'3 plus. Okay. We, we've got guys that are 6'7", six, 6'8", six, and, and taller that throw. So those those long levers really help yeah. when you're throwing shit, you know? Well, that's kind of what made Matt Vincent a different. <laughs> so, uh, dude, he's uh, a freak, man. It, it's crazy to watch. You know, everything that guy does, he's good at. It's crazy. He's, he's just a superior athlete, and and he figured it out for him. He worked his ass off to, to, to develop what he did. But you're right. He was absolutely an outlier. Yeah. And he's bigger than I thought he would be when I'm, you know, when I met him a couple of years ago, he was bigger than I thought he would be, but he's still what I would call quote unquote undersized for the sport for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's what, I mean, we like, we talk about this all the time. I mean, if you're an outlier, you're probably going to know it. Right. <laughs> you know? right. You're not going to yourself one. So it's probably better to fit into the mold. Uh, I agree. Yeah. The, <laughs> the rule, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, um, you know, I talk about, I mean, but going back to your, you know, 400 cleans and 300 pound snatches, what makes that more impressive to me is then the size of the people you're talking about. Right. So you're not talking somebody who's 5'8". You know, you're talking right. somebody that's 6'5", 6'7", throwing that much over their head. So, I mean, that's a, a big difference. You know, that's a foot more, foot higher the bar has to go. Well, and I'd probably argue most of you guys can't squat ass to ankles. Um, right. <laughs> so. It's funny when I, when I say those numbers, I'm not talking about like the beautiful Olympic lifting uh, yeah. technique either. I'm talking to big fat idiots that throw the weight over their head in the power <laughs> position. Like we don't squat below parallel to catch a snatch or a clean ever, you know. Um, so it's it's pretty good to watch that. You know, I love the self-deprecating. Like you guys, you do sound like a fun bunch of guys, right? Because there are sports where. You know, you go backstage at a bodybuilding event, and there's the more than the occasional tool, you know, who's trying to be the badass, tough guy. You guys just don't come off like that at all, you know. It's just no. <laughs> uh, I mean, you can't be, man. If Like I said, you know, the, the turds kind of call themselves out. And if there was a guy, uh, there have been guys, even in my t my short time in the sport, that have moved up really quickly and, and acted like their shit didn't stink. And uh, they're out of the sport now legitimately within a year or two years they're gone they, nobody will invite them to games it's you hit it man if, if you're not cool and, and you can't take shit lightly and make fun of yourself you're not going to last in the highland games and that's why it's such a great sport well it sounds like that's what makes it fit so well with the crowds right like you guys are part performers right i mean to be honest yeah 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 i mean we're you know you know, back to back to the, what we talked about earlier. You know, Phil brought it up, and, and now what you're saying, like we're entertainers, man. Being good at, at the sport is is just a piece of the pie. It's not the whole pie. Going and interacting with the crowd it, at some games is even bigger than how good you, you know how well you throw. Mm -hmm. um, the 80s like you to to go interact with the crowd because they're paying money to come see it. They don't want to see some dickhead. <laughs> right. Uh, you know, that, that throws well and then goes sits under the tent and hides from everybody. They want somebody to come out and talk to them and talk to their children and, and talk to the kids about whatever, you know, it's a, uh, you got it, man. We're, we're absolutely entertainers. Well, that's, that's kind of what separates Highland games from other strength sports. I mean, and honestly, it's more of a family, a family sport and it's because sure. of the events are built around, you know, sure. um, it is more of an entertainment thing. Whereas, you know, you go to, like my family, is, I've done both. And, 
my wife won't lie to you. I mean, she's like, powerlifting meets are boring as shit. And they are. They are. <laughs> they're very boring for, for anybody that's not doing it. You know? mm-hmm. yeah. But uh, with the Highland Games, you know, you've got the games going on, but then you have the fair around it and everything else. Um, right. That, that's the, the funniest shit to me is, is when we throw at, at an actual renaissance fair and you have the people out there that are that are renters. I don't know if that's derogatory or not, so excuse me if it is, but um, you, you, have, you have these people that, like, their life revolves around rent fairs, and, and so they'll walk past and stop and watch us, and they're dressed in pirate gear or, like, how the fuck are you going to take yourself really seriously when there's a pirate watching you perform your sport? You, know? <laughs> like, you can't, and if you do, you suck. So, you know, um, it, they, they kind of lighten the mood for us, too, a little bit. So level level of importance wise, let's say somebody's looking to, let's say somebody fits the mold, yeah. Um, as far as body type, what, and the, but they've never done this before. What's number one? I mean, what do they need to do first? I mean, what would you think is the most important thing to concentrate on first? Uh, learn, watch videos of people that are really good at it, and and watch what they're doing, and, and get technically proficient at the simple things. And, and what I mean by that is if you were teaching, you know, Phil, when you and I were training and you were trying to teach me how to snatch and, and clean and jerk, you know, we worked the first pull first or, or, yeah. or we, we broke it into part hole training, right? Yep. You didn't just put me under the bar and say, Hey, go snatch that. You, we, we worked on things. So throwing's the same way. You want to work the most important part of, of the of the technique and to me that's the front of the trig which is which is release it, it's the quote-unquote power position um learn how to do that and then and then get get technical at the events and, and learn the technique of the events I, I see so many big strong guys come out and they want to start like the full spin in the stone having never touched a shot put in middle school high school or college and, and you know you're putting a cart before the horse mm-hmm. uh, when you when you do things like that. That's the biggest mistake I see, man. Is people not focusing on the bo- it's boring as shit, man. To to work it, again to related to Olympic lifting. If if you tell somebody to come in and work their first and second pull for six months, you're gonna yeah. lose a lot of the people, you know, because it's fucking boring. Um, yeah. So that that would that's a long-winded answer to your question, but I would say work the basics. That's the most important thing. Pay attention to the basics and work those until you can't stand doing it anymore. Hey, Dan, if I can hey. ask you, uh, like, again, yes, with the numbers, I guess, but so since we're talking about off-season versus in-season and that sort of thing, I'm going to throw out a completely ignorant number, and you, you tweak it for me, okay? So mm-hmm. – would it would it off season? Would it be eighty percent in the gym, twenty percent on the field, and then that flips in season? Or Correct. like what what are, what are some percentages? Yeah, man, I I haven't I've thrown three sessions since October. Oh, um, okay. <laughs> so, so, but 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 having said that, I, I'm doing drills in the gym too. Like you know, I, I'm still I'm still doing specific things for the Highland Games, but I would say it's probably closer to ninety ten. And then you flip it in season, and um, I, I'll be in the gym twice a week, and I'll throw four times a week, okay. or three times a week. So that those will be my percentages during the season, mm-hmm. and they will not be intensive gym sessions like like Phil and I. You know, like we were talking about earlier, I'll go in. I'll probably have three movements. Um, I'll move, and I'll get the hell out of there. 
Okay. Yeah. Um, no, one thing I was going to talk about when you start talking about drill, the basics, things like that, is a, is a post she made the other day mm-hmm. um, about that. You yeah. know, yeah. everybody ends up looking at, like you, I think you were using Spencer in this one. Right. And uh, they look at what one certain pro is doing. Um, and instead of trying to, to master the basics first, they try to mimic that. Correct. Uh, instead of, again, like we talked about outliers. And basically it's learning learning how everybody does it first. Yeah. And you need to master that before you learn how you do it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, man. I, it, you know, like I said in the post, if Spencer talks about throwing the weights, and I hate we're talking about him as much as he hates talking about me on his stupid show. Um, <laughs> um, he's going to say things that we all have to do. You know what I mean? He's going to talk about high point, low point, accelerating, sprint. You know, he's going to talk about things that everyone has to do. But people end up saying, well, he turned sideways. I'm going to turn sideways. And they have no fucking idea what they're doing. Yeah. Um, again, in the words I use, they're paying attention to the art and the artist instead of the science. And if you don't know the science, and the reason behind why he's doing it, you're you're just going to be lost, man. You, you're never going to improve that way. I mean, it's like any sport. I mean, you need to learn. If you're going to go play tennis, you need to learn the basic backswing. You need to learn the basic serve. You need to learn, right. you know. Sure. Um, Before you start trying to hit the ball in between your legs, you know, running backwards because you saw Andre Agassi do it. That's a great yeah. analogy that you just <laughs> made. Like. If, you know, if you go out on a tennis court the first time and you're, and you're trying to chase the ball down and hit it between your legs back over the net, you're going to look like a fucking idiot. Yeah. And, and and not to be too blunt, but that's what some people look like when they try to do the things in throwing, too, you know? So, I mean, yeah, I mean, master, master the basics first and then move on from there. Um, what as far as, I mean, it's hard to tell, I mean, where these people come from. I mean, what, what would you do? I mean, coach-wise, I mean, would you send somebody to a – your background's in shot put and discus. I mean, how important would it be to maybe work some of that if they've never had any throwing background? I mean, um, I, I have always said, even even from the first time that I threw in the Highland Games, that the reason that things happened so quickly for me was because I understood what was being asked of me at the very front of the trig, which is the finish on the throw. So I understood how to get separation between my hips and my upper body and, and how to finish a, a throw. You know, you, you, you grind the right foot to the ground. It's like throwing a punch. You grind your right foot to the ground and then the arm follows. The, the hips lead the throw. It's amazing to me how many people don't understand that, that, that come out and throw. And, and again, this isn't a shot at anyone, but if sometimes I have to step back and realize that you know, hell, not everybody threw yeah. in, in high school or college. Some of these people have never thrown anything. Yeah. Um, so they, they don't know. That would be my first, my very first thing to tell anyone is to grab a shot put or a stone or whatever you have and just learn how to lead the finish with your hips. If you, if you can't put that together and if you don't understand that concept, you're never going to be successful at throwing ever because – it, at, at its core, that's what throwing is about. It's about it's about your hips, you know. Yeah. That that would be the first thing I'd focus on. Yeah, if you got a shot put, stand at the front of the trig or the circle and and, and work hips and get some separation, and, and and then we can move on to to a little bit more advanced. Hey, hey you guys, is it even possible? Is it possible 
for a, just a big man who's strong as hell, maybe he's a power lifter, if he didn't have collegiate throwing, are there examples of guys like that in the pros? I mean, is it even uh, possible? There, It's possible. I, a guy named Jake Sullivan in Arizona is probably the best example of somebody that, that didn't have a throwing background. Um, and I know Andy Vincent didn't have a throwing background either. Um, those are the two examples. So it can happen. Um, but, but what people have to understand is those two guys worked their asses off. And I mean, Jake Sullivan in particular was, was almost maniacal about his, he would go have like six hour throwing sessions, um, to learn how to throw because he knew he was behind everybody that had thrown before, you know? So to answer your question, yes, it is possible, but it, it is not very common. You do not see it very often. Mm. The funny thing about this is I, I'm the one who got Jake into throwing. Right? I, I we, thought you guys knew each other from when you were I was against each other once, and I am 1-0 against Jake. So, <laughs> he's never beat me. So. That's awesome. That's awesome. Perfect record. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Perfect record against Jake. No, yeah, I beat him to go into A class. So, and we were both in B class. But, uh, awesome. Yeah, I mean, no, I mean, I'll kind of try and answer that. And, yeah, I mean, like, like me, I mean, I quickly over, basically over two games, they forced me into A class. They didn't let me start in C class. And I can tell you this 100%, I'm a shitty thrower. The only reason I was an okay A class thrower was uh, I'm strong, mm -hmm. you know. Mm -hmm. And that transferred well to I was really good at hammers and weight over bar. The, the, the events I didn't have to move on. So, yeah. Oh, right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was horrible. And I it's, still am. So. It's funny, man. When I started, my first games was in Kansas City in like June of 2015. And I wrote the AD and I was like, hey, I'm a former collegiate thrower. Um, I don't know what class to enter. And and this guy and I have become friends since then. But he wrote me back and he's like, I think you'll be okay in the C class. And, and it was kind of like maybe mocking me a little bit, you know. I was like, okay, whatever. So, so we started at the weight over bar, um, <clears throat> which, which as, as Phil knows, Lonnie, you may not, it, that's, that's the one that meatheads excel at. Yeah, like okay, that, right. that's the one where you don't have to do anything, but just be freaking strong. Mm -hmm. um, so we started at the weight over bar and I'm in the C class and I think I cleared like 16, six. <laughs> and, um, they, you know, every, which, 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 it is a pretty good mark. That's a pretty good number. Uh, and everybody walked over and was like, oh, my God, you know, what what's going on? And I was like, hell, I don't know. And then we moved on to the other events that I'd never seen, and I kind of sucked. But, but you know, to Phil's point, and, and then back to answer your question, yeah, if you're a big, strong dude, there's going to be some events that you're going to come out and kick everybody's ass at. But when you have to start spinning twice with 56 pounds attached to your hand, you're going to be kind of lost if you don't have any background in throwing. Well, I mean, I think there, there we touched on the heaviness of it. And that's another point that it just, compared to track and field, when you're spinning it with the 56-pound weight at arm's distance, and most of these people have really long arms, it pays to be heavy. Yeah. Uh, you know, yeah. I know for me, I did my best throwing about 275. I came in the back, came back and threw a class at like 240, and it was that just that was a huge difference as far as yeah. being weighted against that 56 pound weight. But uh, yeah, man, it's hard to counter that stuff if you don't have any ass to you, you know. Right, it makes sense. 
Yeah. But then again, I mean, then the, then we got lightweights. Um, so I mean, there's. I mean, I'm surprised Lonnie didn't ask about it. Is there? So there is lightweight too, and they throw lighter implements. Um, so I mean, you can do it if you're a smaller person. The problem is you have to be under 200. But <laughs> yeah, it's like 200 or super heavyweight. So, um, yeah. Yeah. Hey, I have a, I guess just a, a fun question here. You, you were talking about how frequently you guys compete when you're in season, right? And you're a pro, right? So, so there's some money involved in that kind of thing. Now, a lot of our listeners, if they're a, li- a power lifter, a bodybuilder, you know, they have jobs or families or, or whatever. Uh, I'm curious about like what, how do you incorporate this into your lifestyle, Dan? Like into your in just living. Like, are, what percentage of your day or week is, you know, is your head in Highland Games as opposed to, to other things? Does that make sense? Yeah, sure, man. Um, I'll I'll start this out by telling you that my family um, sacrifices greatly for me to be able to do this, and and not only when I'm traveling so frequently, but just the training. Um, Trisha. And, and my two boys, and we have a girl on the way, so we'll have three children come May. Um, they sacrifice a great deal of time for me to be able to do this. Um, and, and I don't take that lightly, and, and that's what I'll start, and then I'll, then I'll move on. Um, I probably dedicate – so I work at a desk all day. I, I, work at, I, I was a sheet metal worker, and, and now I do consulting and sales with sheet metal. Um, on days that we're not busy, man, I'll probably spend six to seven hours a day watching and thinking about throws, thinking about things. And then after work, I'll spend, you know, two and a half or three hours in the gym. Or if it's a throwing session, I'll do it probably five or six days a week. So you're looking at a minimum of 20 hours a week on top of on top of regular work. Wow, it's pretty consuming then. It, it is. It is. And, and even when you go home... Um, you know, I, I'm trying to compete for a world championship this year, and, and I've, I've made no bones about it. Like, you know, if you get invited to a games like that and you don't sell out and, and it doesn't consume you, then what the hell are you doing? You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. why, why are you doing it? That's the, that's the ultimate goal for all of us. So even sometimes when I go home, you know, Trish and I will have dinner with the boys at the table, and the, and the boys will go watch um, – their stupid TV shows, <laughs> and, and and I'll be on the computer watching watching throws or, or, or going through coach's eye and looking at some things I'm doing. So there, there's a lot of time spent spent doing this. Gotcha. Um, let's talk about Valhalla a bit. Yeah, man. Yeah. So um, basically, you guys are. It's not just anybody can come, right? That's correct. Yeah, we have a we have a. A quote unquote vote in process. You you have to get voted in to live there. Um, and we started that immediately. Like I think there was like six of us that started it in 2015, uh, six original members, and we knew everybody had to agree that we wanted the person in. So that's how it started. So some kind of a mecca down there for. I mean, pretty much everybody you guys have is competing at a high level in something, or I mean, aiming to. I mean, yeah, yeah, it's it's so funny, man. And Phil, you and I have talked about this privately a lot, man. Um, you know, we started with three pieces of freaking equipment, man. We had a GHR, uh, a squat rack, and a and a bench. Yeah. And I 
built a deadlift platform in my shop out of, you know, wooden rubber stall mats. And we started in a 1200 square foot building with a, with a garage with no, no heating or no AC rather. Um, and I think by the time we got to like 12 members, seven of us were elite in, in powerlifting or the sport we chose to pursue. Um, which goes to the point that you always talk about, man. <clears throat> and you see people start these gyms and they're in this like beautiful space and they have this brand new equipment and they have, you know, stenciling all over the walls and they, you know, all this merchandise. Like we lifted in a 1200 square foot garage and we were cranking out pretty freaking awesome performances. Yeah. Yeah. And that, that's been the, that's been the lifeblood of our place is, is, it's gritty, nasty, but we all care about each other and we all push each other to do it. And, and I wouldn't trade it for the world. Yeah. And I, I really think, I mean, the strongest places I've been to in the world are like that. You know, yeah. if they're not that flashy. It's, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, we have a top 10, <laughs> top 10 guy all the time from a, from a shithole gym in Wichita, Kansas, you know. <laughs> we got Brian uh, Hartzell, who, you know, squats 800 plus in freaking untied tennis shoes with. Yeah no knee sleeves or anything i mean i mean there's some there are some real freaks in that joint um yeah. it's it's been awesome to see man if anybody has a chance i mean what do you guys do if somebody wants to stop in down there i mean yeah i, I love having guests in man um they can you know reach out to me um on social media or, or anything like that or, or any member and we usually do a pretty good job of of entertaining guests i mean i would say we probably have a guest a week you know, just somebody that wants to come in and see what it's about. And we, you know, with Dal doing what he's done and Brian doing what he's done and Josh, th those three in the powerlifting world are, are the ones that stand out right now. Uh, people kind of want to come see what you're doing. People kind of want to come see what it's all about. So, so reach out to any one of us and we'll get you in there for sure. The funniest thing Brian was Mark. He did that little video after record breakers. Yeah. Who's this guy? What are those shoes? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You just, it, it's, it's, and Phil, you know Brian pretty well too, man. It's almost comical, like how little of a shit he gives about quite literally anything. It's amazing to me. <laughs> no clue how strong he is. Right. He, he has no idea that, like, he, he came in one time and deadlifted 900 pounds. Like, he just threw 900 on the bar. And, and deadlifted it, and he he comes over to me, and I'm I'm beside myself, right? Like I'm like sweating. I'm so excited that he just did that. And he he comes up to me and he grabs me by the shoulders, and he's like, "That was really heavy." <laughs> and I was like, "That's the most impressive thing I've ever seen in my life, dude." Like, yeah. what are you doing? You know, he just you're right. He just doesn't get it. It's hilarious. <laughs> nope, no, just picks yeah. up that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, just picked it up. <laughs> it's one of those things is he just doesn't know you're not supposed to do that. So, <laughs> yeah, no frame of Dow reference. I talk about that all the time. It's like if he ever figures it out, is he going to suffer? Because like, you're not supposed to be able to do that, man. You know, you you hit the nail on the head there. Yeah, he just doesn't know. So right, right. Uh, no, anybody going to the Arnold? I think you know, come over and check out the Highland Games. Um, I know Dow's coming up there with us, so yeah. we'll be over there watching you. Yeah. Uh, run over, give Dan and all them a, a, a hello. So it's been good having you on. It was a good chat. Yeah, man. Thank you guys for having me. Yeah, on. thanks. Yeah, really good. 
But we will end it there today, guys, and uh, catch you next week. I don't know what I'm doing, Lonnie, because I'm going to be a Donald. Are you going up there? Still trying to decide. I have I have two things going on, but I'm going to try to arrange it. Yep. Okay, what I'll probably have to do is, is uh, record something, because so, I've got a packed day. So. Right. But if it's at the Arnold, um, find me. You know, I've got a couple uh, weightlifting athletes. Like I said, Dan will be around there. I know JP's up there. Um, if there's Iron Radio listeners, track us down, say hello. I'll be dragging Windler around. i got to get him out of the house. So, um, like that. so until next week, everybody. All right, good stuff. Hey, listeners, have you seen the store at ironradio.org? There are three halls in the store, one for Phil, one for Fortress, and one for myself, Dr. Lowry, and they're thematic. So you can go into our Halls of Iron store and choose based on your goal. If you need something to learn or read or something nutritional, you can look in my store, uh, Lonnie's store. If you want something about injury prevention uh, or competition, then take a look at Phil's Hall of Iron. And if you want something about motivation or daily training, Fortress's Hall has what you're looking for. There are some fun heroic descriptors uh, as you browse through the stores. We try to make it a little more fun than the average boring online store. And whether you're a novice lifter or someone more experienced, you can take heart that you're not wasting your time. The things that we put in each hall of iron are actually based on our own recommendations. Protein powders that we know to be good, uh, knee sleeves, wraps of some kind, things that Fortress uses in his own training. Uh, the stuff you, you see, you know is good. This way you don't waste time. So check out the Iron Radio store at ironradio.org and um, let us know what you think on the forums and certainly you can request products and we will uh, screen them before they go in. So thanks for listening. Iron Radio is accepting donations. If you like what we do, the professors, the scientists, the bodybuilding show promoters, the athletes themselves in powerlifting and bodybuilding, um, please consider making a donation or maybe buying something from the ironradio.org uh, store. Uh, we also are accepting supporting members. So for $4 a month, which is frankly less than the bank sneaks out of your account in fees, you can step up and support a form of sort of public radio for the bodybuilding and powerlifting and strength community. The Iron Radio podcast and all of the audio on ironradio.org is for informational purposes only. If you're interested in starting a diet or exercise program, it's important to check with your physician. Also seek the help of registered dietitians, athletic trainers, and qualified exercise physiologists in order to make the progress that you need.